uh, you know, being in a conference room and all of a sudden the doors, two doors open up and there's David Bowie. <laughs> and he actually came in with, it was crazy. He came with a, with a backpack and he pulled out a pad and a pencil or a pen. And, uh, you know, he got right into it. And he said, you know, we're going with this, man. We are going to launch Ultrastar. Let's figure this out. Welcome to today's episode of The Seed, The Startup Journey. My name is Rick Liu, and this podcast is a series of interviews with startup founders. It is made for you, the curious student, talented innovator, and aspiring entrepreneur. Throughout this podcast, we will explore various startup journeys by discovering the genesis story behind these startups and gather advice in hopes that we can plant the seed of innovation and creativity in the minds of our listeners. With that, I'm very excited to have Ron Roy with us today. Ron is the founder and managing partner of Wines That Rock. Before that, he also founded one of the internet's first e-commerce sites and partnered with rock legend David Bowie to start an online fan club. The serial entrepreneur will be sharing his startup journey with us today. Hey Ron, uh, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well as your company Wines That Rock? Sure, Rick. Uh, myself, uh, I was actually born in Queens, New York, uh, Forest Hills, if you want to go that far back. And, um, you know, I was raised in the city for a while until my folks split up and ended up moving to Connecticut when my mom went to Connecticut for employment. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, one thing, as I've gotten older as an entrepreneur, I definitely like the, uh, the ability. I, I had so much passion for music and pop culture and film, but really music. I was just a music freak. I knew, you know, more about music than anybody in my high school and college. I, you know, I would duck out and drive to New Haven or New York or Boston to see a show on a Tuesday night. I mean, I was that kind of kid that just loved music. And I always said when I was younger, you know, if I could figure out a way to, you know, absolutely get music somehow entwined in my future, that would be awesome. I wasn't a musician, I was just a fan. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to uh, kind of hit, as they say, everything's got to, all the universes have to come together sometime. And it's all about t- timing is everything. And uh, so one cool thing is uh, the internet started to happen. And uh, so uh, I had some experience in, you know, technology. Uh, I worked for an IBM career school for a number of years. I was part of a software company in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, that built training software, very cutting edge, very innovative. Um, but really just started following the internet very, very early. And um, I finally kind of got this thing in my head, okay, understand the internet, love technology, not a technologist myself, more of a creative marketing person who can connect a lot of dots. What can I do uh, to take my passion for music and use the technology that I've been exposed to and then try to figure something out. And that's always the big thing with an entrepreneur. I mean, you, you got a lot of ideas and they're all out in front of you and how do you like, how do you corral those into one space, in one sandbox and get super, super focused? So, um, yeah, and I, again, it, it was just dumb luck timing that it all came together. I had enough technical background. The cool thing about my career path, too, is I was exposed to some great software engineers, software architects, real visionary people who could get stuff done, built, um, operational, where then I could, you know, I was kind of like, it was like building a house. You had the, you know, you had the, the guys who were building the house. I was not that guy. I wasn't putting in nails. I wasn't putting in electricity. I wasn't putting in plumbing. I was kind of visioning what the, the end product would be. 
so I was really fortunate in my career, my entire career, to just be surrounded by really, really good people who had the same vision, who, you know, maybe they weren't as passionate about music as me, but they were passionate about the technology to take things to uh, people, consumers, and, and do different things. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all started in the 90s for me. And then, um, you know, uh, you know, before we started Wines the Rock, really what got me into the music space is um, I was part of a collective, one of the founders of a company called Ultrastar back in New York City. And uh, we really developed the online fan club model. Uh, we always laugh about it, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but we really created this community that was Facebook before Facebook. Uh, and many years before, like 10 years earlier, like we wanted to create this community that was self-absorbing, kind of a walled garden uh, for mu music artists where they could, they could express themselves. Their fans could feel like I'm in a space, and if, I have, if I'm a fan of a band or I'm a fan of an artist, I'm with other like people and really come together to, uh, you know, do a variety of different things. And the cool thing about working with our goal was with working with big music artists, Rick, was that, you know, a lot of these guys had, you know, libraries of music and they had history and they toured and they always had new music coming out. So, uh, you know, we wanted to say, okay, how do we take all these things that typical music artist does? How do we put it into uh, an experience that will then allow people to come in and do things they can't touch in the outside world. And so that was the genesis of Ultrastar. Uh, we were very, very, very lucky. Again, lots of timing, luck, right place, right time. Uh, our first client was actually David Bowie. And David got really, really behind this. And uh, David actually invested money in the company. And he was very active in the company. Uh, he, came, you know, he came to meetings, uh, he was on conference calls, and he really saw the vision of what the internet could do very, very early. So to have that support and his brand equity and myself and my partners and my team and my technologist who all could take all that and make it happen. So in the beginning, fans of David Bowie and as the company grew, I mean, so many other, you know, the Rolling Stones, the Who, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mariah Carey, Madonna. We had about 40, in the heyday of Ultrastar, uh, we had about 40 clients. And I think, you know, most of them you've heard of. And we ventured into sports for a while and did the same thing because we always felt people have an affinity. You, have your favorite, you always have your favorite, you know, it could be your favorite soccer team, your favorite baseball team, your favorite artist, your favorite director. Everybody has favorites. So we just happened to, we just happened to figure out, okay, let's, let's go play with the big favorites who have lots of fans to make this sustainable, to make this profitable and, you know, a great experience for people. So, so before we started Wise the Rock, we had to do Ultrastar. Um, and Ultrastar eventually uh, was absorbed by Live Nation, and um, you know, as they you know, as they say, you know, all of us who were involved uh, left at different times, and um, uh, but you know, taking all that, all those relationships, and again, as an entrepreneur, I think so much. You'll meet a lot of smart people. You'll meet a lot of people way, you know, maybe way more intuitive or even innovative than you. But are they good partners for you? And that's one thing I always tell you, know, I, I, you and I've had discussions and I, and I teach at St. Louis University and I tell the students all the time, you know, make sure if you're going to start a business, one of the, the things that I think break businesses more than anything, uh, number one is success, you know, 
if you buy build some of this, it means who's going to buy it. But number two, man, make sure you have good partners, man. Make sure, you know, just because the person's your best friend on your softball team or, you know, your drinking buddy, drinking beers, doesn't mean he's going to be a great business partner. Put a lot of thought into that. Um, but uh, I was fortunate because I had great partners. And we all had a different set of skills. That's another thing, too. I, I've always felt you don't want to be have a bunch of people in the room exactly like yourself. And I know my strengths, but I also know my weaknesses. I always think about my weaknesses because, okay, those are, those are the gaps I want to fill. I want to say, you know what, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at looking at spreadsheets or I'm not good at doing logistical operations. And so find people who do that. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so that was, that's kind of the baseline of how I got, in, you know, got into music, rock and roll. You know, I, had, I worked on some side projects with Aerosmith and a long time um, part of uh, the team that uh, you know, represented The Cure. Um, neither one of those bands were a part of, um, Ultrastar, but, you know, just through relationships, you know, did some other, you know, some other things with, you know, with those bands over the years. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, like all things as an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, um, what's the new bright, shiny object? And that's, uh, you know, that was really kind of the start of it. Cause you know, I, I kind of hung out for a little bit of time, took a deep breath. Um, you know, just kind of like, you know, I worked so hard for so long. And uh, just said, you know, what can I, what can I do now? You know, what's the, what's the next move? And uh, yeah, so uh, I, uh, I came up with this idea. I was just in a wine shop one day, buying some wine and beer. And um, you know, I'm looking at, and I wasn't much, I didn't know much about wine. Kind of a, you know, my, you know, when I, when I do have, you know, have a drink at you know six o'clock on a Friday night, I, I you know, craft beer is my go-to. But um, I started, you know, I started drinking wine, a little more serious in wine. And, I, and the, the thing about wine is that, you know, number one, there's so many bottles of wine and there's so many labels. And I, and I kind of put it together and I said, you know, if I, if I like music and I walk into a wine shop and I see like this, I wore this hat on purpose because this is Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, one of the best selling albums of all time. And they, you know, they were a longtime client of Wines of Rock is if I saw this you know, this iconic logo or album cover on a bottle of wine, I would at least walk over there. And that's half the battle when you've got a consumer product. You want people to touch your product. I mean, that's really a very, very important thing. You know, you want them to walk over. Because if you go to, next time you're in a wine shop or, you know, any place that sells wine, I mean, there literally will be thousands and thousands of bottles. So my idea was how do we make that bottle stick out? And how do we make a nice, you know, and then a lot of things too when you look at it is, um, you know, how do you make that affordable? And also how do you put good product in? Because all good consumer products, in my personal opinion, is, you know, people will try something one time, but if the product's not good, number one, you are not going to, you know, you're not going to get that repeat business. And that's the key is getting the person, not buying the first bottle, but it's that third bottle, fifth bottle. Then you've got, then you've got a loyal customer. Loyalty is such a huge, huge thing in consumer products. Uh, yeah. So, um, just kind of thought about it over the week. I said, and I, you know, obviously went on the internet, da 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 da, and see, try to see if anybody was doing anything quite like that. And uh, I couldn't find anything real serious. So, uh, you know, as they say in the music business, uh, I call, I called my, uh, I called my old partners and said, you know, let's put the band back together. I've got this crazy idea, and let's see if we can pull it off. So that, that's, that was the start of wines that rock. The model is, you take a bottle of wine. I got right, you take a bottle of wine. I got this on my desk, so I'll show, I don't know if I can show this to you. But and this is one of the guys from the Flaming Lips actually did. But anyway, that's I don't know if this is coming in, but hey, you take a bottle of wine and you put an album cover on it. And that was it. That was the model. And obviously a lot of moving parts to see if we could pull it off, but that was 
the underlying model. And we knew we could find wine. We knew we could find glass, bottles, corks. Uh, we, knew, you know, we knew a bunch of great designers. Uh, landed on a super designer in Illinois to help us out. Um, and then infrastructure and obviously the investment to start the company. So that's how, that's, UltraStar had to happen for Wines to Rock to happen. And then we're like, okay, let's, let's do this. So that's, that's how we started Wines to Rock. Long-winded way, but it was, it was a great journey. And I mean, Wines to Rock was literally almost 15 years in the making. Wow. It took all that rock and roll experience before I got to Wines to Rock to get behind me. And um, yeah, and the same team, I will say, fast forward to 2020, it's the same team. I mean, so back to my point of picking really good partners. You know, uh, you know, Howard and Bill, who I've worked with on UltraStar and even on other projects in my career, are still, we're all still part of Wiser Rock. That's awesome. Uh, and so having started multiple companies, what would you say is the most challenging thing uh, in running your own business? Yeah, you know, I think, I think you learn on the go a lot because when you start, you're typically in stealth mode and, you know, you don't, unless you raise a ton of money, um, you know, you really, really got to do so much on, you know, on your own and make decisions. And it's not like a big corporation where you have an HR department and you've got, you know, rows of desks and people and offices and resources. Uh, I mean, it's so much of, you know, really taking responsibility to, you know, obviously bring your key, your own key attributes, but um, it is, and I'm going to go back to this. I mean, you know, just get, you know, really trying to figure out, you know, who sees the vision. Who's just not in this? Oh, that's a cool idea. I'll join you. But where, do you really see the vision where this company can be one, three, and five years from now? So I think it's a combination of that. Obviously, the sim one of the simple answers is obviously managing financial resources because, you know, I'm part of, you know, Stadia Ventures here in, in St. Louis. You're, you know, you're, you, you work with us, this, you know, this, this last cohort. And, you know, when you look at everybody's spreadsheet and everybody's got burn rate, churn rate, you know, everybody's trying to just, you know, pay their bills. So there are all these things you always have this pressure, you know, on you to do. Um, and I think a lot of people rush, you know, rush out there too. And you really want to make sure everything's working because you don't get so many chances to, you know, to launch a brand or launch an experience. So, um, and, and you are anxious because you want to get your product out there. You want to start you know, generating revenue for yourself, the company, your investors. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I think people try to get out too fast and they try to, you know, I believe now later in life that, you know, test, 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 you know, if it take, you know, if it take a, you know, if it take an extra couple of months to launch, figure it out because, you know, you don't want the hiccups. I know so many stories of companies just like that. great ideas, great people, you know, but they just, you know, the product just wasn't ready for prime time. So I, you know, I, I, I you know, every, every couple of weeks I get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee and I just, get a legal pad and put boxes in me. And I just want to make sure that I check all these boxes over the last two weeks. So, and you know, you want to create your perfect storm. You really, really do. So, uh, you know, make sure all those boxes are checked. That's a big piece of advice I can give you. Got it. And kind of on the flip side, so you've uh, worked with David Bowie and I've heard from Tim Hayden that you were also in the room when the first email was sent, if that's true. I, I was in, I was in a I was in a testing room at IBM and purchased New York when an email and you know and there's different stories on this but uh, it, they were doing testing with commercial email so there was always email within the government and military I mean you know there's always that in, in the private sector universities but this was uh, this was they actually you know had set up a test in somebody's home 
to somebody else's home in California. So um, it, it was, uh, I was in the room that was monitoring, uh, you know, the, the email. And, you know, there's been different stories over the years. So I don't know if it's true, but it sure sounds good. So <laughs> at least the guys at IBM told us this is the first commercial email it's, you know, ever been sent without, you know, attachment to military government or university research. So I, uh, I believe them. <laughs> So with all these uh, highlights from, I guess, your startup journey, what would you say was the best or most satisfying moment for you? Um, I mean, yeah, really, I mean, it's a simple answer. And it wasn't, had nothing to do with money or anything. If you came to my, in junior high school, if you came into my house, in my basement, in my bedroom, I just had like all these posters of all these glam rock bands and artists, David Bowie, the guy behind me, Mark Boland from T-Rex. Uh, I was fortunate, like, uh, a young, a, a girl moved across the street from me from London and she introduced me to all this music going on in London. And so I was just, a, you know, I was a Bowie, a Bowie fanatic. I mean, I just, you know, I just, just saw the, you know, he, like, you know, you see the vision, you see what he's trying to do. And the cool thing about that is I got to it early. I mean, you know, I was a, you know, I was like 10 years old when I experienced David Bowie for the first time. Uh, I didn't know it was coming. Like all, you know, he had an amazing run in the 70s. and I didn't know that was coming. Uh, but to answer your, you know, after all this and championing glam music and Bowie over the years and, you know, people, you know, especially in America where he hadn't made it or the kids I, all, I went to school with were all into, you know, bands like, like Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin and, uh, you know, those kinds of bands that were just super popular and, and rightfully so. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I in, uh, in the 90s, uh, then the moment that kind of has always stuck with me and shook me was, uh, uh, you know, being in a conference room and all of a sudden the doors, two doors open up and there's David Bowie. <laughs> and he actually came in with, it was crazy, he came with a, with a backpack and he pulled out a pad and a pencil or a pen and, um, you know, he got right into it. And he said, you know, we're going with this, man. We are going to launch Ultrastar. Let's figure this out. And we had a multiple hour meeting and it was, it was just awesome. I mean, you know, the first 10 minutes I was, you know, I was, you know, damn, I'm in the room with David Bowie. But he really, I mean, I, I've said this before a lot in the press and in interviews. I mean, he's one of those people you meet in life, rare people that you, I, I, you always see that whatever he I don't care what he would have done, whether he was a teacher or a curator at a museum or anything, he would have been successful. And I got that impression. I didn't, and I didn't know that going into that meeting, but I was, I've never taken a train back to Connecticut after that meeting and just thinking about, you know, his seriousness and his focus. I uh, said, so, you know, because I, you know, number one, he's putting his name behind Ultrastar, but also, you know, he was in it for all the right reasons. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I know that's, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I mean, that was really the thing. And I think back of it, like it's 2020 now, and I think back and that was just that, and it was, you know, it was, it was just myself, um, one of my partners, Bob, God rest his soul, and Bill and, and, and David. And we just sat there for hours and, and crafted what we thought, you know, Bo, you know, it was Ultra Star, but the Bowie launch was called Bowie Net and what Bowie Net should be. Um, and also, but you know, you, you think, man, that's a good, back to my original point, man, that's a good partner. Because you got Bowie there saying, we should do this, we should do that. What, and it wasn't even, he wasn't even demanding. He was like, what do you think about this? He really engaged everybody in the room. And uh, so that was just a, a magical moment. I mean, I've, you know, I've, 
been backstage. I mean, I was on stage with The Cure for like two hours doing this pirate filming of a video we were putting together. And, you know, you got 35,000 fans out. That was cool and stuff, but that was cool. So there's a lot of cool stuff I've done, but the Bowie thing was just magical. Because I was a I was a Bowie freak, man. I if I had ever gotten a tattoo, I probably would have gotten the Bowie lightning bolt somewhere. You know, not my face, but somewhere. On the... No, that that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, uh, back to kind of right now, what are you focusing on? Like, like, are you thinking of starting something new, or you know, kind of what are your future plans? Yeah, cool, man. Uh, great question. Uh, you know, uh, why is it rock? Um, like I said, I got great partners and, you know, they, one of my partners, name is Howard Jackowitz. Um, you know, he's awesome and he just runs that company. He's basically taken over day to day for many, many years. And um, so, you know, I kind of float in when they need me and, you know, we discuss things or just kind of updates and, um, but, you know, we've, we've developed this fan club affinity model. We I mean, we launched awesome wines with Star Trek. That was huge. Uh, we did a project with uh, the zoos and aquariums. Uh, we've done projects with NPR, uh, the Bachelor TV show. So we're always looking for, you know, those niche projects. And those projects have a lifetime. And we know that that's our model. Um, you know, very few. Star Trek will go on for a long time because Star Trek is just a brand that's been around forever. Uh, but, you know, some of the projects, like The Bachelor, you know, kind of has its popularity. And then you kind of get in it and then you get out. And, you know, sales go up and then sales kind of get flat. And then, you know, you look for your next project. That's just the model of Ultrastar. Um you know, and, and then uh, about three years ago, I, you know, I, well, actually more than three years ago, you know, I met a, 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 and this is cool being an entrepreneur, because as you, as you Rick, build your resume over the years, people will start coming to you. I mean, you know, so, you, you know, you kind of build up, you know, what, what your experience is in a local, a local entrepreneur uh, in St. Louis actually started uh, the first non-alcoholic craft beer company in the United States. And before Jeff started it, um, we had gotten together when it was just kind of a seed of an idea um, and just discussed. And we just got together with some mutual friends and, you know, with my experience and uh, obviously direct to consumer, e-commerce, uh, you know, digital marketing, all the things that you need to do to build a brand online. You know, Jeff just wanted to get together, pick my brain. And, you know, we became fast friends. And I really said, you know, as time went on, I'm like, this is really, really an awesome idea. I love it. This is like, you know, this is, this is innovative. I love innovation. That's what motivates you. What can I do that nobody else has done? If you look at my career, I mean, Ultrastar was the first online fan club. I mean, it was. You can't argue with that. Wines that rock, there is not, you know, other, you know, artists have put out bottles of wine, but there's really not a company behind the wine industry, the, the direct-to-consumer, the retail, the wine club industry like Wines that rock. And then now the opportunity to get involved. This is a real big reason I got involved because it was so innovative. Number one, it was up my alley. Number two, I was really intrigued by the potential of using this innovation and technology to actually brew non-alcoholic beer because it's not, you know, it's something that's really, really hard to do. Um, and, uh, and so that got me, you know, so I, I had said to Jeff, you know, you know, cause you always, you know, you know, can you help me out? Like, you know, advise me in ways you can help me. We'll set up some digital e-commerce. And I just went to him and said, listen, man, you know, I want it because I think I can bring value, but I also more than anything is I think I can be a team member on your team that can really, really help you drive things. And I have a passion for this and I see the future of not only non-alcoholic craft beer, but other things that are happening in the marketplace. Um, I mean, I'm going to say, I mean, I'll say this right now. And, you know, I think in two to four years from now, you're going to see, you know, number one, THC in this country. I mean, Canada's already legalized marijuana. 
I think very strongly that more and more states are going to get behind the legalization of marijuana. And then you've got a product in the non-alcoholic craft beer that you can infuse with THC and you've got a great product. It tastes good. You know, people, you know, for whatever reason, you want to drink a beer, you know, take the edge off, get your glow on, whatever. So I see all these things happening. But then I see all these things in the health industry uh, with not, you know, people your age, Rick, you know, they're more health conscious. Their lifestyle is totally different than, you know, when I grew up and, you know, your age. And, uh, you know, so, you know, to be around something that's healthy and a product is really about your well-being. Um, uh, so that's what, you know, my focus really, really is on now with, you know, with consumer products and, you know, helping the growth of, um, you know, with well-being, both at the retail and also digitally and also e-commerce. And it's fun because, you know, you can go on Google right now and search non-alcoholic craft beer companies in the United States. And, you know, there's, you know, there may be five or six. I mean, totally dedicated. There's probably less, there's less than five totally dedicated who do nothing in alcohol. You know, some of the big boys get in, they're like, oh man, those sales are going up and up and up. And that industry and that, uh, you know, demographic is really, really exploding. If you look at all the data that comes out, uh, we'll, we'll make a non-alcoholic beer, but they also, their core business is, is alcohol. Well-being is, you know, solely dedicated to brewing, you know, world-class non-alcoholic craft beer. So that is, uh, yeah, so it's exciting. We, we've got a long ways to go, you know, started very humbly and just in St. Louis. And, you know, we're probably in, got to be approaching about 30 states now, 28, 30 states. And um, number one seller on Amazon, number one seller on Shopify, uh, you know, just continue to grow the business. And, but we got a long way to go. And we're, you know, we're, we got, you know, we're already planning for like 2022. I mean, we've got so much cool stuff going on. Um, so yeah, so, but all, again, everything up to that, you know, number one with, oh, I go back cause I always tell people, you know, look at the journey on how you got where you are today. If you go back, I mean, really my first, my first experience were war with e-commerce and understanding technology. And then obviously working with brands with Ultrastar and then obviously Wines of Rock in the space of alcohol because distribution is distribution. You want to be in the shells of, you know, Trader Joe's and you want to be in the shells of Whole Foods, I've done that. And then now working with an innovative product um, that, uh, you know, gets great reviews, great press, great growth, everything about it, you know, those are the, so that, that's, you know, that's what's going to occupy my time, you know, right now. So uh, very, you know, again, very, very exciting to, uh, you know, to be part of something super innovative. And also help, you know, I continue to help Stadia, you know, the Stadia companies that come in, um, you know, Stadia Ventures, obviously, you know, one of the top sports focused, esports focused venture, you know, venture funds in the United States, globally now, I mean, globally. And so, you know, different businesses come through there and, you know, I like to, you know, I'm working with one right, right now called one of my, one of the cohort ones um, uh, called IntelliGym. They're based in Israel. You know, we, we've done a lot because I don't have any presence here. So we really set them up for success in the United States and in Canada and hockey and soccer. So my, you know, we always try to help monitor these companies. Cause it's like giving back, you know, it's like teaching, you know, I'm an adjunct professor at SLU and you go down there and you give, you know, really teach real world experiences. And it's fun giving back to the younger generation and talking about, you know, all the things you did right. But I think you learn a lot more from all the things I did wrong. So you, know, you and I have had some conversations. I talked to our other intern Trey, because you always, you know, no, nobody likes to talk about all the things they did wrong, but you, Nobody, you know, no, nobody has a perfect, very few people have a perfect journey to get from point A to point B. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of my story. Awesome. Well, that's it for today's interview. Thank you, Ron, for taking the time to do this. Uh, I wish you the best of luck and stay safe. 
from talking to Ron, I learned three things. Ron said that timing is everything. While skills and talents definitely play a role in an entrepreneur's journey, luck is oftentimes also needed to succeed. By being lucky and being at the right place at the right time, Ron was able to have David Bowie as his first client, who eventually became partner to the company. In addition, one of the most important things when starting a business is to make sure that you have good partners. You will meet a lot of smart people, people who are way more intuitive and maybe more innovative than you. But are they good partners for you? And finally, how do you find a good partner? Ask yourself, who sees the vision? Not just, oh, that's a cool idea, I'll join you. But do you really see the vision of where this company could be in one, three, and even five years? I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you found this podcast meaningful, please share this with your friends and anyone who you think has a creative and entrepreneurial mind. This podcast is also available on YouTube, so be sure to check us out there if you want to see our faces. And before you go, make sure you follow us on Instagram at seed underscore startup underscore journey to stay updated for the next episode, which will feature a real estate agent who, motivated by the impacts of COVID-19, created a social media platform to connect neighbors and promote businesses.